0: Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi.
1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?
0: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey there, and welcome to the
0: podcast. This is Kristen. This is Molly. So, Molly, today, we're going
1: to go into the ozone. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about?
0: I do. Today, we're going to discuss the explosive discharge of neuromuscular tensions at the height of sexual arousal that is usually accompanied by the ejaculation of semen in the male and by vaginal contractions in the female.
1: In other words the orgasm
0: yes today we're gonna to talk about orgasms but don't don't get too excited out there we're gonna try and and make it as boring as possible yeah we're gonna we're gonna take the spice out of this We're gonna go neuroscience and evolution with these puppies mm-hmm no no getting crazy. In the studio at ten thirty on a Thursday morning, Kristen. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna go we're gonna go scientific on we're not these gonna movies. Go, we're not
1: gonna go cosmo, we're gonna go uh, a little National Geographic, a little more scientific American. A little textbooky. Well a little, a little textbook. So But it'll still be fun. Of course. Yeah, because I mean it's a very unique thing that can happen in the body and uh, what's really going on in an orgasm.
0: Okay. In your brain. In your brain, first we talk about what, what's happening in the body. Yes. Let's talk about the body and then we'll show how the body sends all these messages to the brain. Okay. So, Kristen, when I gave you that line about explosive discharge of neuromuscular tensions. Okay. That was from, that was from the dictionary. Yes. That was old Merriam Webster. Yes. That's how they define orgasm. But what's actually happening with the body is when you have an orgasm in both males and females, your rectum starts contracting. Uh Approximately every point eight seconds. Okay. Fun fact to throw right. out there. So and we got, we got some contractions going on. And but that's really the some only curled toes. But everything else, there's voluntary, less voluntary muscle control. You're losing a little bit of control. Yeah, that's sort of one definition, I guess. I okay. <laughs> so a total loss of bodily body control. <laughs> but that is actually also happening. Um, and we've got the spasming as you're just saying. Curled toes, we've got muscles all over the body starting to spasm of their own free will. Okay. And then we've got all these pleasure chemicals saturating the brain. We've got release of oxytocin, norepinephrine, and serotonin. Mm-hmm. And in women, we've got the muscles in the vagina and the uterus contracting. So lots of muscle contractions. But why do they all contract? I think we should talk about the nerves.
1: The nerves, yeah. This all, we have nerves to thank for. Orgasms, Which isn't really that surprising because all of our sensations of uh, touch and feeling and all of that are related to nerves. Um, and our genitalia contain an insane amount of nerve endings, which is a large part of why um, orgasms are so intensely pleasurable. For instance, Molly, the clitoris alone has more than 8,000 nerve endings. Wow. 8,000 packed into kind of a tiny spot. spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and th- all of those nerves are connected to larger nerves that run up to the spinal cord that connect to the brain that uh, shoot those fireworks off up top. But we also have um, four major nerves that are involved um, in this brain-body feedback, starting with the hypogastric nerve that transmits sensations from the uterus and the cervix in women and from the prostate in men. Then we've got the old pelvic nerve that's sending messages from the vagina and the cervix in women and from the rectum in both sexes. And next up, we've got the old pudendal nerve. It's going from the clitoris in women and from the scrotum and penis in men. And then we have, this might be the most interesting nerve to talk about in this discussion, Molly, the vagus nerve that goes from the cervix, uterus and vagina to the brain, but it bypasses the spinal cord. And only recently, scientists have started to understand how the vagus nerve um, can contribute to orgasms by bypassing the spinal cord, because they used to think that all the messages had to be sent up through the spinal cord to the brain. But indeed, that is not the case.
0: So depending on where you're receiving pleasure during sex in the nether regions, that message goes up the nerve Mm -hmm. through the spinal cord with the exception of the vagus nerve Mm -hmm. to the brain. And the brain's like, oh, yeah, this is good. And that's what can trigger the orgasm. Yeah, I'm going to release all these chemicals and you're about to feel real good. So that's why orgasms may feel differently depending on where you're being stimulated. So to borrow a page from Cosmo, even though Kristen said we're not really going to talk about Cosmo, this is why you'll get that advice to try all sorts of different things, because who knows which nerve is is most effective at at, uh, getting the message up to the brain.
1: Right. You get different types of sensations. And going back to, um, the vagus nerve, um, there was a study in 2004 by a team of researchers at Rutgers University that, um, that kind of goes along with, uh, our capabilities of having an orgasm through, um, different types of stimulation. They found that women who had severed spinal cords were still able to reach an orgasm by um, stimulating different parts of their body. Like one woman even just um, used a vibrator on her neck and was able to come to an orgasm. And uh, they think that this has a lot to do with um, activating the vagus nerve because they did MRI scans on their brains. And obviously, since their spinal cords were severed, the messages aren't running up via spinal cord. But uh, it was actually the vagus nerve that was sending all these messages. And some people who have lost a limb can actually have um, experience an orgasm through their phantom limb. Mm-hmm. Some people can experience it through different, um, you know, other sensitive places on their body outside of the genitalia.
0: But you know, originally, Kristen, orgasm kind of hard to study because you've got to you've got to rely on someone's word that like they had one. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a lot known about it. But you mentioned brain scans, yes. And, you know, I've got to, I've got to wonder if the guy who invented brain scanning ever thought that people who were being sexually pleasured would be hooked up to his machine. Because that's what, that's what they've done. They have hooked people up. Like, let's take this one study that happened in the late 1990s and mid 2000s. Okay. Okay. We're in the Netherlands to set the scene. And we've got men and women coming in to be part of this sex study. And they used PET scans to illustrate the different areas of the brain that light up and shut off during sexual activity. So basically you would come in for this test and they would just you know, scan you while you're resting, get Mm -hmm. sort of the baseline brain picture. Mm -hmm. They would get your scan while you're being sexually stimulated. And then they would get your scan while you're having an orgasm. So they could just watch how the brain changed through all of that.
1: Now we already knew, these researchers already knew going into this, that uh, an orgasm will stimulate the reward circuit. In the brain that basically uh, responds to pleasurable sensations and is also linked to, you know, kind of what lights up during heavy drug use Um, and shopping and shopping. And so different parts of the brain associated with with this would be the amygdala, which regulates our emotions, the nucleus accumbens, which controls for dopamine release the uh, VTA, which will actually release the dopamine, and then we've got the cerebellum that controls muscle function, hence all of those contractions, crazy contractions going on, spasms. And then we've got the pituitary gland, which is going to release beta-endorphins, which are going to decrease your pain and uh, amp your oxytocin uh, and also your vasopressin, which is going to lead to feelings of bonding and trust. So all the, you know, those are just kind of, that's just kind of the basic, brain circuitry uh, that's lighting up during all of this. But these guys in the Netherlands found some more interesting areas that are lighting up and shutting down.
0: Yeah, what I thought was interesting is first they go through all the ways that men and women are similar when it mm-hmm. comes to sex and orgasm. So you've got this region behind your left eye, the lateral orbitofrontal cortex, which shuts down. Um, that's the seat of reason and behavioral control. So like we said, you lose control. You, to go back to Cosmo, they're always telling you, you know, stop thinking about the dishes and all the stuff you should be doing. You know, you've got to sort of just be in the moment. You can't have that reason mm-hmm. going crazy. Just um, let
1: that, let that lateral orbitofrontal cortex just calm down. Shut off.
0: Yeah. Um, and because you lose that, that control, Kristen brought up drug use, but basically the brain during an orgasm looks like the brain of a person taking heroin.
1: Which is the, possibly the worst, um, kind of (laughs) drug message I think I've ever heard. (laughs) Um, so men and women both have, you know, these kind of heroin brains, (laughs) if you will, during orgasm. But there is one major difference, um, for women during orgasm, and that is activation in the part of a brainstem called the periaqueductal gray, or the PAG, that is, that, that lights up. And this controls our fight or flight response. And also, we have decreased activity in the amygdala and the hippocampus, which deal with fear and anxiety. And so kind of all of this contributes to feelings of heightened trust and um, feeling
0: more relaxed
1: with your with your lover,
0: And feeling safe. And, yes. you know, probably if you want to take a, a step beyond what the researchers say, it, you know, it goes back to this old stereotype that women needs to be in love to have sex. Mm-hmm. That, you know, because these parts of the brain are not as active, that, you know, we couldn't just be with a stranger because that fight or flight thing is, is activated. Yeah.
1: Um, and then we also have the area of the cortex associated with pain. Also activated just in women rather than men, so it's kind of interesting. We there's obviously this kind of neurological fine line between pleasure and pain, which sort of an it's a lot to unpack.
0: An odd finding, yeah. Let's save it for another podcast. Yeah. Now they did ask the women, Kristen, to fake an orgasm, and a faked orgasm, as you might guess, looks nothing like a real one. Um, in the brain, that is. As I was about to say, in the brain, not necessarily to the to the fella or the lady. Um. When you fake an orgasm, the brain activity increases in the cerebellum and other areas related to controlling movement. So basically, you know, you've got to maybe curl some toes, spasm some muscles, but you're thinking about it. You're like, okay, here's what an orgasm looks like. I shall now duplicate it. So
1: basically the exact opposite, uh, brain function is going on when you're, when you're faking then when you're not, which uh, that makes sense. That's why it's fake. Yeah. Right?
0: It'd be interesting, you know, if if there ever comes a day when pet scanners are available for general public use, if if people would start to buy them and hook them up during sex. You might
1: shake up bedroom relations <laughs> a little bit. But while we're talking about all of these uncontrollable things that are going on in our brain and our nerves and wonderful feelings and sensations, I do think we need to also mention... Uh, Something called anorgasmia, which is a condition where someone is not able to reach an orgasm, and that might have to do with taking antidepressants that can interfere with the brain's production of dopamine and therefore it might block those pleasurable feelings from happening um and in some cases, doctors just aren't exactly sure why
0: why it happens. But Kristen, let's not leave the Netherlands yet okay. because those same researchers who found all those things we just discussed on the PET scanners have used MRI scanners on women who experience anorgasmia and their brain scans showed that they did recognize that they were being sexually stimulated. You know, there was pleasure we had and what they did then was they sort of talked them down and calmed their brains a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do think that there are techniques that women can use to, once they know how their brain works to actually reach an orgasm. Hmm. We're not going to go... This is a pretty big topic. I think that we'll revisit uh, inability to have an orgasm, how to have an orgasm better at some later date. We're just trying to focus on the brain right now. Yeah, and my my big question right now, Molly, is why. I mean,
1: taken together, <laughs> orgasms are strange creatures. You know, we basically... They're these moments of total release where the body loses control you go through these series of muscle spasms and you know it's just an odd thing so why i mean why do we even have why do we even have it in the first place because you know there might be another way to reproduce
0: without well, having to have an orgasm women don't need to have an orgasm to reproduce right. so now as i said at the game we're going to go to our other way to try and make this topic a little bit boring Evolution. Evolution.
1: I mean, when we're talking about the why of an orgasm, for men, it it's easy. Okay, a man needs to have an orgasm in order to ejaculate and therefore spread his seed.
0: For so women, there's an evolutionary option. reason to do it. Basically, yes. if we want, you know, if we go back to the idea that men need to spread their seed far and wide to um, continue their line, mm-hmm. obviously the fact that sex feels good is a really good incentive to go out there and spread your line. Yeah. But women, they just need to have some babies.
1: Yeah, women don't have to, obviously, do not have
0: to have an orgasm in order to uh, get pregnant. So the question then, Kristen, is do we have orgasms based on pure luck? Or, like men, is there some evolutionary reason for us to have them too?
1: Yeah, there are all sorts of theories as to why women biologically need to have orgasms. And the first one, and this, uh, there's really no proof to this, but I think one of the uh, more popular theories is something called sperm retention theory. And these researchers essentially hypothesize that when the vagina and the uterus contract mid-orgasm, uh, it allows it to suck up more sperm and to hold it in there mm-hmm. and not drip out
0: post-coitus. So you have a better chance of getting pregnant. Yeah. Which helps evolution. Yes. Well, I mean, which, you know, which meets goals of evolution. Yeah,
1: basically, you keep more sperm in your body, therefore, it gives, there's a better chance of, you know, a little guy swimming up there to unite with an egg. And then, uh, kind of to piggyback on the sperm retention theory, uh, there's also the idea that an orgasm just tuckers us out, just <laughs> tuckers a woman out, and we're just going to lay around for a long time following sex, and so we won't stand up. And So gravity's not working, it's magic. Yes,
0: So you're laying flat, sperm's got nowhere to go but towards an egg. Yeah,
1: supposedly. But uh, like I mentioned, there is really no proof that either these muscle contractions or lying on your back keeps sperm inside of the body. So it doesn't better. actually lead to pregnancy. Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. It doesn't necessarily increase your chances of that. Um, and then this next one makes sense. Uh, orgasms feel good, therefore it makes women want to have sex. Yeah. That is just common sense.
0: (laughs) But the, but the thought is, is that if, if women had no pleasure during sex, then maybe the men who wanted to spread their seeds so far and wide would have trouble. So this also meets a goal of, of prop, I mean, you know, continuing the species. Mm
1: And speaking of continuing the species, there's also the idea that perhaps orgasms allow women to choose the best mate. I mean, let's face it. It is not, for anyone who has picked up, uh, not to keep going back to one of my least favorite magazines, uh, you know, anyone who's picked up a Cosmo knows that, you know, every month there are 85 tips in there for how to achieve an orgasm as a woman. It is not the easiest thing in the world for him, you know, to do. Mm-hmm. So they say, well, you know, the, maybe it allows a woman to choose the best mate because, uh, you know, he has to be able to kind of know what to do, um, in order to yeah, make I mean, that happen.
0: It's part of the whole package we've always talked about as to why women subconsciously choose mates, you know, looks, ability in the bedroom. Yeah. It's evolved just like these series. Let's go back to suction because I don't think we talked about it enough.
1: Yeah, there's the idea that we've got this like kind of physical section with the muscle contractions. But then there's also the thought that the hormone oxytocin that is released in the brain during orgasm also helps retain sperm in the body.
0: Now let's talk about love.
1: Let's talk about
0: love because, you know... When all those chemicals are released, you feel closer to your partner. And if you feel closer to your partner, then evolutionarily speaking, you'll be more likely to stick around, stick together, raise a family, give your children the best shot they've got in the big bad world. And those pleasure chemicals you get from an orgasm help you do that. I've got like Al Green in my head now, I know. I wish more love songs talked about
1: evolution. (laughs) And suction. (laughs) (laughs) Eh. Um. Now this next theory, though... Is the one I'm putting, if I, if I were a betting gal, Molly, this is the one I'd put all my money on. You're the thrifty nickel. I bet you don't bet money. <laughs> I only bet it on solid, solid gambles. The initial development hypothesis. This was, uh, this got a lot of buzz in the 1970s and it has, uh, recently received, uh, some, some more attention. The initial development hypothesis states that women have orgasms because men do too. Wow. Yeah. Why not? Because basically the hormones that determine your sex, um, aren't, uh, developed in the earliest stages of pregnancy and the fetus doesn't have a gender. However, during that ungendered, that neutered, if you will, fetal stage, the nerves that are laid down for future sex organs are exactly the same in all fetuses. We all have all of these, you know, nerves when they're, when that, You know that tiny mass of cells. So when a fetus becomes a female instead of a male, we still have the same nerve pathways that allow for an orgasm during sexual intercourse. So at the very, very earliest stages in the womb, everybody's got the same shot of being able to uh, to have an orgasm.
0: Interesting. But Kristen, if that theory is correct, it's possible that if we don't have to, if we don't need to have an orgasm, if we just kind of do by some happy accident then maybe eventually we might lose the ability. It might become like a vestigial organ. Eventually evolution could just wipe that out. However, though, I will counter that
1: with uh, it is always probably going to be necessary for a male to have an orgasm in order to, you know, to ejaculate Mm -hmm. for a seed. So if all this stuff is taking place before gender even comes into the picture, it's always going to be necessary. That makes you an optimist.
0: Well, Molly, of all the things in this world, why not be optimistic about orgasms? And I'm I'm going to agree with you, Chris, and I'm going to stay optimistic, too. But that is the question laid out in the article we've been using for part of this podcast. Are female orgasms essential to continuing the human species? Mm-hmm. We've said some reasons why or why not. We've broken orgasm down to its evolutionary and neuroscience yeah. origins. I mean... Do you think we've made it boring enough for everyone?
1: I mean, I think it's pretty exciting, you know? I am a science dork, Molly, so I'm really happy to know what exactly is going
0: on in our, in our brains and bodies during, during the ozone. Say your, say the name of your favorite nerve again. <sighs> pudendal. Kristen really loves the pudendal nerve. Let's move along, Molly. <laughs> so, uh, you should let's, be asked for anecdotes, but I don't really want to hear yeah. about other people's orgasms. I yeah, don't really need so. to hear your, your orgasm stories. But I'm sure you have found something to email us about in the course of this podcast. And we would like to hear that. So our email address is momstuff at com, And to get off this topic, let's, let's read some, some listener mail, Kristen.
1: <laughs>
0: Got an email here from Ben. He says,
1: Hey, ladies. <laughs> Uh, I'm from the UK, and I must say that I'm loving the podcast. This is my favorite How Stuff Works podcast. Even better than Chuck and Josh on Stuff You Should Know. Ben, that is a great way to start off an email. I'm not going to lie. Sorry, Chuck and Josh. The only minor thing I noticed listening to the Women in the Olympics podcast, Molly mentioned that you do tricks while ski jumping, but you do not do tricks in ski jumping. That event is aerials in which both men and women have competed since... 1994 in Lillehammer. Sorry to be a stickler for the details, but I just thought I would let you know since you now love ski jumping. And I think that we should know, Molly, at this point, speaking of skiing and women and the Olympics, Lindsey Vonn won the gold for the downhill skiing. Yeah. On the day we're recording, it happened last night. Yeah.
0: It's pretty awesome. It was awesome. So, yeah. Thank you, Ben, for the correction. So next, I want to give a shout out to both Taryn and Meigs, who wrote out that we need to be looking out for Olympian Clara Hughes of Canada. Taryn writes that there is one woman who always gets on on camera despite how great the team is, and that is Clara Hughes. She has won many speed skating medals in different races, but also an Olympic gold medal in cycling. And Meigs wrote about how she donates her entire life savings to the NGO Right to Play, making her a great positive role model for girls and boys because she didn't earn media attention on the basis of sex appeal. Awesome. Sounds pretty
1: cool. Well, folks, thank you for writing in. And again, our email is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. If you would like to send us your thoughts. And as always during the week, if you want to keep up with us, we've got a blog. It's called How To Stuff. And if you would like to read the articles that we've been referencing in this episode, it is, they are what happens in the brain during an orgasm and are orgasms, female orgasms necessary to continue the human population, or something along those lines. You can find those articles at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?
0: If you crack open an American history book, it's sure to be filled with founding fathers, bloody wars, and the inventions that brought this country to the industrial age. But there's a whole other world that waits for us in the shadows. Tales of unlikely heroes, world-changing tragedies, and legends that are unique to this country's spirit. So join me, Lauren Vogelbaum, for a tour of American history unlike any other, through a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Aaron Menke's Grim and Mild. Get ready for American Shadows. Listen to American Shadows on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Amy Nelson. And I'm Sam Edis. We're the hosts of iHeart's newest podcast, What's Her Story with Sam and Amy? We both have our own businesses, and between us, we have seven children. And since the moment we met, we've been sharing our stories with each other. The thing is, we all know the stories of industry titans like Bezos and Jobs. But the stories of women, they remain incomplete. We ask questions no one else even touches. We are not afraid to get personal. So listen to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.